Yo, it's your boy, buddy, you. I'm Draymond Green. Hey, y'all, this is John Quell John. This is Clay Thompson of the Golden State Warriors. And you are logged in. Logged on. You're logged on to the 10th year seniors. The 10th year seniors.com. 10th year seniors.com. You're logging in with 10th year seniors. Welcome to the 10th year seniors podcast network. This is. You know what? We actually don't know which category this is going to fit in because quarantine and coronavirus has thrown so many things off that what we are going to have to do is try to pack as much content as possible in the few podcasts we have. And what better place to start than the thing that has captivated all of our attentions? The sports moment that has pretty much brought all of us back. The Last Dance. It has sparked so many arguments. This is Kari, by the way. And we all have microphones now. This is why we're putting again. But The Last Dance has caused a lot of arguments. Um, I just want to say that Char Monroe is a traitor to LeBron James and everything that... Uh, LeBron James stands for and will not be allowed to celebrate any Laker championships. That's how I wanted to start this podcast. John? Um, after watching this uh, episodes, I guess, you know, only, what, six of them? Um, LeBron's still the best. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> all right, so... <laughs> So we, we knew this was coming for a while. Uh, ESPN started to preview it earlier this year, but the initial release date was supposed to be June, July, some point in the summer. But obviously, given everything that's happened and the fact that sports was pretty much done for, here comes Jordan to the rescue. Not only did he rescue <laughs> the content creators while he was playing, but here's Jordan doing it again in his role as whatever he is now, basketball, shoe ambassador, but... There's nothing left. Jordan comes and he fills the void. And so it gets the best ratings yo, of any documentary ever, ESPN has produced. So the NBA season gets canceled. And then um, this documentary is scheduled to be released in June after the finals. So there was a possibility that LeBron James would win the championship. And right after he wins his fourth championship, which was going to happen, um, that ESPN was going to release this documentary. Um, they realized at some point listen, this is going to be longer than just a month or four weeks. Let's push this up. And it became like a running sentiment between sports podcasts to let's get this documentary out. ESPN pushes it up to April. And then right after Tiger King, The Last Stand becomes the thing that people are um, gravitating to. And because we are old, I think a lot of us had a blind spot in realizing that a lot of people who cover basketball now and watch basketball and comment online and tweet about it and write snakes under Bleacher Report Instagram posts of Kevin Durant that this is Jordan's time and they are going to be learning new information about Michael Jordan. New information. Yeah, and I think... Well, yeah, I was about to say I was going to give John space right there for him to have his take because John's take on this entire documentary is none of this is new. I mean, Ken <laughs> that's where he's firmly he entrenched. Elaborate on your take for like, that, John. Just watching it, none of it's new. Like I've known everything, even the Dennis Rodman story. Like I thought it was going to be more of Dennis Rodman, the teammate, but then they did an ESPN Thirty for Thirty on Dennis Rodman, his upbringing, and how. His parents, like his mom or whatever, didn't really care for him at one point. That's what it seemed like. Then all of a sudden, he got popular and rich. And mom was like, no, but I used my son. So they ain't bring that part up. But it's like, yeah, we all know she he went to this. Nobody yeah, used he my w- son. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody asked my he son. Went to, um, 
you know, uh, a small school or whatever, got drafted, played for the Pistons, this, that. It's like, I kind of knew all of this stuff. I thought it was going to be more uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, someone on Twitter said it best. It's like, I watched all these episodes, and I've only seen eight minutes of behind-the-scenes footage. And that's how I feel. Like, I, I thought it was going to be more behind-the-scenes stuff, especially how they're like, and they're going to have a, 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 a non-edited version on ESPN and the clean version. And it's like, yeah, they're going to have some crazy stuff going on. But, I mean, I, I cut Wait, there's, there's a clean version? Because I've been watching this with Kaizen, and there's no clean... The clean version does not exist on Netflix. No, right. No, let me tell Netflix, you. So it's on um, ESPN Plus or something like that. Yeah, no, That's ESPN right. Okay, I have had to reach a new comfort level with them just casually dropping F-bombs and him just sitting sitting there looking at me like, is this, is this okay? Well, like, And I'm like, yeah, it's Jordan, it's fine. We excuse all his so behavior because he could score I 35 like again. To, cool. to just put what John is saying into context, right? We grew up in the Jordan era, meaning we watched those games happen. And because we watched those games happen and we kind of we kind of knew a lot of what the pop culture sentiment about Jordan was during the time. And for us, think about this. We have a sports and pop culture blog. We read, we read actual books about different eras of basketball. And I, there was one book when mm-hmm. Nal and I were younger that we read. I think it was called like Basketball Blunders. And it's where we first learned about like when Jordan was in North Carolina and he hits that amazing shot and then immediately Georgetown yeah. fucks up and it was a huge blunder, turns the ball over and that leads to North Carolina winning a championship and is part of the Jordan legacy. So for us, we have a lot of the background information of it and I mean, I think like for a lot of people who didn't grow up in that area and who were much younger than us, of course it's going to be new information to them. They, have, they wouldn't go on YouTube and watch a full game because there's a different I think kind of sentiment on who you determine as a GOAT when you actually get to watch a lot of those games and I was a Jordan fan in those era and now can attest to this but you know what I remember a lot from the oh we're gonna get to some of that 98 Bulls era was a lot of times when Jordan was had awful shooting percentages would score 30 points and they would still win because they were so good at defense I think I think one thing um, that you are completely right about, and this is why I watch it with with Kaizen, because I feel like with all documentaries, really, but sports documentaries in particular, it forces you to have to place your errors into concept into context. So that's why I watch a lot of documentaries so I can understand. You could read and see the numbers of how good someone was, but I still feel like you have to see it in context. Like his generation and the one right below us, I guess. They know of Jordan because of his cultural impact. Like, all of them have his sneakers, even though they have never seen him play. But I think you still have to see this. You still have to understand the space that he was operating in and just how important he was to the culture. I always thought that he was going to have an actual movie. I'll take a 10 part um, documentary. It's called Space Jam. Okay, we're not, we're not going to do the Space Jam takes right now because I have a lot of Space Jam takes that I want to get into. I think that we should save that for episode seven and but, episode eight, the baseball years, because you know what? So many but takes. It, it, it is a good educational tool, but what we also see that it's done, it's created, and people need wedge issues because I think the best part about sports for everyone is you have something that seemingly doesn't have great life and death stakes attached to it that you can have a wedge issue and you can argue about on one side or the other, but... I thought this was going to be an educational thing, but it's created kind of a generational divide where 
You have the line of demarcation that says old heads are picking Jordan. Anyone younger is picking LeBron, and that's kind of so what it's been. Let's barbershop talk about arguments. It. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk about the divide. And I want to get into how this documentary even came to be. So in doing this documentary, and I think Nal and I kind of know this because we are PBS heads. Pause. Jordan has full control over what goes into the documentary. And as soon as that happened, as soon as the subject of the documentary has full control over the documentary, you know you're getting an idealized version of them. And think about this in your actual life. You listen to this podcast, you, you yourself. There are things about your life that you would not want broadcast to everyone over the world. But in order for you to do, like, say you were getting um, money, because money doesn't matter, Jordan. But say you were getting money or acclaim or something from putting out a documentary, you would put some negative things in it about yourself but you would not have everything included there's not a totality of the person included in that documentary and i think that we saw that almost immediately because you know about jordan's competitiveness and you know about like his first time coming into the chicago bulls organization and you know about how the media treated him in the era of larry bird and magic johnson and i feel like what was lacking a lot in the beginning of this documentary is Jordan got a lot of the same criticisms that was put on Russell Westbrook, not even LeBron James. I'm going Russell Westbrook criticism before I go to the LeBron James. And I think that if they showed too much of that, that the shine of Jordan kind of would get like glossed over and people would have a slightly diminished view. So if Jordan is in of it himself, dictating what goes into the documentary is going to be kind of biased and people who lived in that era kind of know that like i said the shooting percentages immediately come to mind to me not the first three feet but the second three feet yeah and and for me it's kind of it's it, it was placed here to to help the mythology along which I ain't got no problem with that's fine because like you said if you are going to be telling your own story of course you want to play up the mythology but it it reminds me of how there's always this myth surrounding babe ruth like him being larger than life and and saving the game and that's the kind of same things that are always attached to jordan not taking away from any of his greatness but and what you were talking about the criticism is when ken burns said well this isn't true journalism if the person who's the subject of it if they get to control the content and we were talking about this a lot in the group chat that's true though and but Charles I don't see Monroe, how who anyone hates LeBron could... James and is a jordan fan <laughs> and has a complete closet of jordan shoes i don't i don't see how anyone could refute that because if you are a journalist and you're writing a story about somebody and you know this story is going to be perceived as negative if you have to call that person and say hey are you okay with publishing this well no one's going to say yes publish this piece that's going to kill me and i'm not saying that jordan should want all that information out there all ken burns is saying is if we want to let's let's not treat this like this is the 100 percent objective telling of this story because it's not yeah, it's, it's, it's not. It's him telling his story, which is okay, which makes for great entertainment. He's arguably the greatest player that's ever been, so he gets to tell his story. But I think all everyone is saying is, put it into well, context, dog. Like, the, the hero worship is all well and good, but let's pump the brakes like on some of that a little part bit. My favorite part is, like, the stuff that he says he doesn't do and what he does do, you know? Like, 
I didn't do drugs. I didn't do any of that stuff. Like, I saw all my teammates. It's just like... <laughs> right. It's First like, of all, I, I want to no, say something. Can, can, we hear, can we hear from somebody else that was on that team yeah, at that moment when I, he opened I, I the door? Want, I just want to like, say See, something that, right I now. think that's the kind of thing that Ken Burns was saying, though. Like, if you're going to do that, if he's going to say, yeah, those people are doing that, but I walked away. Well, let's hear from somebody else from that 1984 team to see if Jordan that was, was actually true. out with the scotch just, you know... Smoking a cigar. I just want to say, you know what I believe happened? Jordan walks in that room and they're doing coke and drinking and they're strippers. I believe Jordan does coke and drinks and fucks some strippers at the time, but doesn't do it for the full season. I feel like the full night he was like, yo, man, I need these guys to be on my side to be like, yo, Jordan is really good. Let him be the number one guy on the team. So I'll hang out with them a little bit, but I won't go all the way with what they're doing. And for the rest of the season, do I believe Jordan was clean? Yeah, sure, of course. But it was the fucking 80s. Michael Ray Richardson was doing all the cocaine. Okay? You do not know. No, Jordan, you didn't do. Look. Listen, I was good. I was Phil, while he had while he is fucking yellow eyeballing this shit, drinking whiskey. No, Jordan. To this no, day, I don't believe you. I'm sorry, if, dog. If Phil Jackson was the coach at that time, he would have been in there doing coke with the team. Like that's the '80s. Like Biggie said in his, in his lyrics, "Never get high in your own supply." He doesn't say never try your own supply. It's like don't get high and then have that be. Let me tell you, you, you think ne- about you never your do business your own from supply. now on. Never. Yeah. <laughs> okay, John. So speaking about the things that, speaking about the things that they may have glossed over, or the things that you want represented in your own narrative, I think all of us kind of had that feeling of, um, there's more to this in episode six because the gambling uh, issues were finally brought up. It took us this long to get there, but I also feel like they yada yada over a lot of it. Like, they talked about it in very broad, general terms, but I feel like this one issue alone could actually get three or four episodes by itself. But what I feel like it's doing is it's setting him up to be this hero-type figure where you have the media that's driving him out of the game and they use, like, the gambling you know issue as a launch pad I gotta for that. I got to say, though, I think both things are true. In one sense, I think that... Um, the media is largely responsible for how they frame Jordan. Uh, when I say framed, I mean like the framing of the narrative, not like framing that he didn't do it, but the framing of the narrative in that they had really not a lot of stories on this Bulls team. And because the team was so great and in sports back then, there was, you know, there was kind of like a hush hush, not the TMZ of pop culture that they just reported on sports. So seeing the Bulls win a third championship in a row became kind of blasé. So they were looking for other stories. So a story about Jordan going to gamble was going to be something that they kind of propped up and that they kind of put in the atmosphere, in the ether, everywhere. And gambling, in the context of 1993, the, your immediate um, connection is to Pete Rose, who is banned from baseball. It's to... Um, different gambling scandals, college basketball scandals at the time. So to have um, a discussion about the greatest athlete and the most famous athlete at the time, gambling, one, that's going to be a story that has to be covered, but it's going to be covered disproportionately as soon as that athlete then says he's not talking to the media and goes full Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, and it was was a lot easier to do back then, but he had... 
yeah, there there was not a there was not a whole lot of people investigating this stuff, and his entire image had a halo above it until Sam Smith came up with the Jordan rules because. Like Gary was saying, there was nobody going in depth behind the scenes on that stuff. It was just, you're good at scoring baskets, you're a great scorer, this team is going to win, that's it. And then the pristine image of him being excellent at his craft. But nobody really knew about the process until the Jordan Rules was published. And then, so that kind of chipped away at some of the mystique. And it's the same kind of thing that happened when uh, when Jim Bowden wrote his book on baseball that made him a pariah from the game. So he was telling people what Mickey Mantle and the rest of the Yankees were actually doing. Sam Smith did that same thing here. And that was kind of the beginning of, well, let's dig deeper at and his let's character. let's be honest, that's kind of what... For us who already know a lot about this Jordan story, like, don't tell me about the 1992 Dream Team, the infamous practice that's, the, like, commonly known as the greatest basketball game ever. Don't tell me about that. Tell me about some new shit that happened behind the scenes. Why isn't Tony Kukoc um, featured more in the 1998 footage? Why am I not getting a lot more information about how Jordan drove Pippen and how Jordan actually felt about the migraine game? You can't give me five seconds about with Jordan saying like, oh, I believed him, like I ruined his like, nah, don't give me 2020 what Jordan think, give me in that moment 1989, 1990 Jordan being like, yo, you kind of a bitch for this <laughs> give me 1988 Jordan um, thinking that Isaiah Thomas is not better than him, and that's where the real beef comes from, and you know, there's a lot of Cardi beef in this, um, Cardi, Ca- Cardi B thought process and philosophy inside this documentary because if we beefy be forever something Cardi says and there's a lot of that in 1980s basketball he's the only one still like that though and I feel like all of his behavior is excused well, because he's reme- this no, 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 no. you gotta remember Nobody else is still Isaiah like that. Thomas and Magic Johnson just reconciled like a couple years ago that's kind of a new thing for them to happen it ain't just Jordan a lot of them have those things Bird didn't really care because Bird, like Bird Isaiah, beat everyone in his circle. And Isaiah, I think, is a little more sensitive to it. Isaiah, to me, should, because uh, he was left off the dream team and, like, Bill Lambert didn't have to worry about that. But he should carry it like Lambert. Lambert don't give a fuck. Lambert goes on TV and says, yeah, fuck Jordan. I hate you. <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> I beat him a lot. And, you know, I still don't like him. And so what? And he don't like me. But that's cool. When we see each other, like, I'll shake his hand. And it's a, a thing about respect, not a thing about we got to be friends. I think Isaiah feels slighted because he wants to be friends and that his slight leaves him a lot out of the top point guard conversations, for instance. Let's just put it this way. That all ties That all ties into this weird nineties nostalgia that's branched off from this. So it turned when when the hot takes stem from this interview or sorry, from this documentary, it turned into not only is Jordan the greatest basketball player ever, but the nineties is the greatest era. And if any anything is not done the way it was done in the nineties, then it's wrong. So your whole thing about okay they're still holding on to these beefs 30 and 40 years later and that scene is normal and the way you're supposed to do it causes people to look at players today in a different light which i also think is stupid because the leadership style that 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 jordan represented and the the way that era was that's not the only way to do it so anybody that's come along and had a different leadership style has been vilified and it 
it's it's just mind-boggling to me that that continues to go on and not only that but this documentary seemed to exacerbate i just that love issue. how so, now it's like everyone in the 90s well that's what people say right i pulled up a stat because you know i like to pull up stats for no reason you so, like to pull up stats the bulls in the 98 season shot um 32.3 percent from the three-point line right they attempted 932 threes that season that season Steph Curry in 2015-16 shot 866 threes by himself and shot 45% yeah, but I mean, from like the, the field. game changed though. The game has changed, but at the same time, it's like, that's how it was so slow. But I feel that you put a Steph Curry in that time right now, it's, it's a wrap. Yeah, but like that, I, I think like, that's true, but like the game... Yeah, but John, all they're going to say is, okay, Jordan would have practiced that and he would have been perfect. Point. So, I, I don't know. I, I think that... The top players would obviously be uh, transcendent. Like, to me, Jordan would be in the conversation of LeBron and Giannis and Luka. He would be be absolutely better than Harden and would be in the conversation for the MVP race and his team would be one of the top four teams in the league. Um, Like, around, like, where Kawhi is right now. And I think if Steph went back in time, that Steph's team would be really good. But then... Basketball is a team sport, and when you um, go back to how, like, what Rod Thorne was saying, I think in episode five, when Jordan was being marketed from uh, like a golfer or like a tennis player while in a team sport, I think like that's a very good distinction because um, when you're in a team sport, your success is not only dependent on you. If it was up to just Jordan himself, Jordan might have been winning championships from '87, honestly, but it was up to who else was on his team. But that's the thing. Jordan changed everything when it came to sponsorship for basketball. Like he's, that, that's one thing you can never take away with Jordan. He revolutionized the way basketball players get paid now. It ain't no more. I mean, he was making $30 million, But yeah, but at the same time, he's the reason why all these players have these huge endorsement deals now. That's absolutely right, John, because the thing about episode five and six that stood out is you see the transition from, okay, Michael Jordan, this elite basketball player to Michael Jordan becoming this brand becoming this global ambassador for basketball and becoming really at that point the most popular athlete if not maybe the most popular person in Republicans America buy shoes too he had to be up there in the ra- yeah he, he had to be up there in the rankings for that so you see him as, as as the brand but then you also see a part of him that hurts his legacy just from my perspective and this is me speaking as okay full disclosure i'll get into this right now because i need to preface my takes on this stuff i grew up a portland trailblazers fan the 1992 nba finals is probably the most painful moment of my sports childhood as a kid i was not a fan of michael jordan okay he prevented my sports happiness literally every single year but but I always had a problem with the fact, I respected, not only respected, but I always admired the likes of Ali and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Jim Brown, like athletes from that era who used their voice to speak outside of their sport. And I think that him not doing that always hurt his legacy because he was bigger and better than everybody else. But how much did he wield that power to help? people outside of his okay and that was my favorite part about the documentary when he does the um republicans buy shoes two thing and they touch on jesse helms and i think that that was the 
three minute sequence in the documentary that Ken Burns would like and that was it it was three, three minutes. minutes out of six episodes where they just were like um, you know if you want to talk about what Jordan did and what the like pop culture the societal impact would be then you have to talk about that because think about what 1992 1993 is 1992 are the LA riots that's Rodney King that's a lot of stuff that's happening. Never hear, hear from me. And you're not hearing from the most famous black person in the world at the time. And I love Michael Jordan. I grew up, I was laughing at Nal as Portland lost the championship and the Bulls were winning. Yes. So you, you really mean to tell me that out of all the history of Michael Jordan, that just gets completely glossed over. When the OJ documentary was done and they were talking about OJ Simpson during the time, they brought all of that shit up. I knew, learned shit about OJ Simpson that I didn't know about his background. And then when it got to the nitty gritty of it, you could align what happens in the OJ Simpson documentary versus the uh, um, OJ Simpson um, show on FX. So Jordan's um, lack of I guess participation in how black culture or black America was viewed at the time, I think that matters a lot. And that matters a lot in terms of later how basketball was viewed in the Allen Iverson era, not even getting to LeBron James. And what I always said was he kinda he kinda reset the wheel on a lot of that stuff because the players, the generation before him they were very active in things off the court. But then when everybody growing up saw the success that Jordan had and they saw that specific leadership style, well, everybody adopted that. So, and John mentioned it, the whole Republicans buy shoes to remark, which Jordan brushed it off and said he was just joking. Well, that's Are easy you for you to say now that you were just joking, right? Yeah, like that's that's very convenient and easy for him to say now. But Everybody that grew up idolizing him was kind of thinking the same way. Well, this is a leadership style that I have to have. This is what my relationship with my teammates will have to be like for us to achieve immediate success. And I have to be solely focused on basketball and that's it. Nobody else gets any other part of me. And I feel like that actually hurt the game moving forward more than anything else and that that's the kind of thing that will, will take it take a part of his legacy away from me i mean like i'm saying not that's Portland just getting me. beat these are the things that i think that. are important but um i just want to do a side note of it david stern was that dude like watching david stern in this in, in these things like with the uh mvp trophy you're only going to get it if you come back it's like he understood the star power that jordan brought to the nba and it's just like Jordan and him at that time is a big reason why the NBA is where it is today. Like, it's just insane how you have the right people at the right time to push your product over the top. Oh, you know David Stern had to hate Jerry Krause and them, right? Because, because he had to be thinking, why are you all ruining this? Like, we have the greatest cash cow going on right now. We have a team that's chasing a four-peak. Can y'all just... Shut keep this up. together so we shut can keep up. maximizing everything. It's so easy. Just all you have to yeah, do is like shut just, the fuck up. And then just like, just, yeah, y'all go in. Just don't mess this up. That's all. you intentionally left this till he died to bring this out? Like, that's another no, thing. No, 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 like, no, no, no. I mean, Jordan was holding no. on to this for a while. But Jordan was funny but, with it because he'd be like, let me get a cigar. Nah, that's going to stun your growth. Who the hell but, invited? Okay, I, who the hell I, I, I want to talk about this, though. How much of Jordan's fire... Him and Pippen is based on Jerry Krause. 
because and how racist could Jerry Krause have been at the time to make them this mad? Because it was like Dan Marley is one of Jerry Krause's favorite players. Fuck Dan Marley. I'm gonna score all the points on him. <laughs> yeah. Yo, Tony Kukoc okay. is Jerry Krause's guy. Wait. Fuck him. I'm gonna destroy him. They absolutely Jeremy Lin him in the Olympics. Now, that part I did not remember. Because what I remember from the Dream Team is Kukoc playing in that final and having like an okay game. I did not know they played them twice. And the first time, Jordan and Pippen just went out to completely eviscerate Kukoc. Just show that but he did But they had that on the, on the Dream Team <laughs> that was, documentary. I, on, yeah, in, I remember uh, that. I, I remember they, they that. Had that. I remember and that. And it was showing. like Jordan and Pippen. They, they they never mentioned Yeah. No, I just mean in the moment I wasn't thinking. Jer- I don't that. think they mentioned Jerry Krause at the time, so we didn't know what the, they just said, Oh, he's coming to the Bulls. Well, me and Pippen are gonna scar him the entire game. So but he literally told I'm not gonna lie, like I enjoyed Tony Kukoc's flex. I'm drinking, sorry. His flex because Kukoc was like Kukoc was legitimately like I was making millions of dollars in Europe. Yeah. So they were gonna get me to come to the NBA for like pittance, and Pippen's he saw Scotty's contract. <laughs> right. So the contract. Let's talk about Scotty Pippen's contract because after the first two episodes, that was a big Please. topic of discussion. The contract Pippen signed was not signed yet, so he wasn't even happy then yet. They were still negotiating with Pippen and didn't give him the money for that contract before he meets Tony Kukoc. And then in the middle of that, he, Pippen is hearing what Tony Kukoc could possibly be getting from Chicago. He's like, nah, fuck this, man. Fuck this. This guy is not better than me. And Pippen talks a lot of shit on the slide. I see why Future did that to him. But Pippen talks a lot of shit on the slide and has a lot to say in this documentary about, like, fuck Isaiah, fuck Kukoc, fuck the Pistons. Fuck Gary. <laughs> yeah, he's spicier than Jordan in this. Fucking entire season. We don't care if I if I don't play one game. I don't care because I need my money. Uh, Kuko should have stuck to his guns because trade demands, like Anthony Davis knows, it gets you to the destination you want if you just really stick to it. I mean, going to Chicago wasn't a bad destination yeah. though. No, but Pippen could have ended up in. Like, let's think of who the contenders were at the time, the, right? The Magic. He could have came to Portland Knicks. earlier, Kari. The Suns. The Ma- he ended up in a spot where he's Man, still all he was he was that close to getting back to championship yeah, but without I, I don't think, he came no, to no, Portland earlier. Goes to Houston first because Houston's in the trade for uh, the Rodney Rogers trade. Yeah, because the Bulls were probably determined to get him out of the Eastern Conference and put him in the West. And you know they're not trading him to to Utah or maybe if Jeff Hornacek is given up in the trade because Jerry Krause loves white people. Maybe he ends up in Utah because that's before <laughs> so much. Jeff, oh no no no! Because they had Jeff already played Utah once. Play defense. Yeah no, but that was already when they played Utah. Once, think- so he pro- Jerry Krause probably wouldn't have done that. But think of who uh, maybe who else was in contention at the time? The Spurs, um, and because the Rockets had already won. But who else in the Western Conference was really good? It would have been those- the Suns. Oh, at that at that point, you had yeah, Seattle, Seattle that was still really good. You had Utah that was still really good. Portland that was really right, good. So the Suns were kind of the Suns were kind of done after Barkley left. But I think those Suns. would have been the top. Say four. the Sonics, for example, had said take Sean Kemp, and this is before. Yeah, that that was a, the Sonics, Sonics would have been a great spot. Sonics actually. is a spot, and, and the Sonics would have led to one of the greatest finals matchups we would have ever seen: Gary Payton and Scottie Pippen versus Jordan and Sean Kemp. Oh no, uh, um, Jerry Krause would have taken Deathless Shrimp because, as you mentioned oh, yeah. before. <laughs> no, hey, but he, he was like a Tony Kukoc clone, so 
Imagine two of them. Two of them. Exactly. That's why he would have taken him. Jerry and maybe Krause. Seattle ends up yeah. with Peyton, Pippen, and Kemp. At that point, because he's already... Think about this, man. Jerry Krause was saying Phil Jackson is not allowed to coach. <laughs> like, You're not allowed to podcast anymore, so we're going to cut you off right now. That's yeah, Jerry yeah, Krause. Yo, but you know... No, no, no. Go okay. ahead, John. Um, I want to get to a part a part of this because this is going to be the episode where everyone is going to use uh, episode five as make fun of Nile time. The 3000. If there's one thing, if there's one thing that this documentary has brought back, it's brought back the young fan in me and some unresolved feelings with Michael Jordan that I that seven eight year old me may may still have residing somewhere, but. They completely glossed over the 92 finals. Like, they, Jordan made six three-pointers, and that's, that's it. Portland that's the was up out of the here. Finals. Really? It was like... First of all, Drexler dunked on him very early in the first quarter, okay? <laughs> I would have liked that highlight to be in there to show some sort of balance. And this whole notion that, no, you can't possibly compare him to me. When their stats were nearly similar, Jordan averaged five points per game more than Drexler did. Everything else was the same. Drexler was on the dream team. He was on the dream team. It it is, and I'm not saying... No, Jordan's a better player. It was never a question whether Jordan's a better player. But if one dude averages 36 and 6... Yeah, but no, no, no. If one dude averages 36 and 6, and the other dude averages 25, 6 and 6... How are they not comparable players? That's my That's like if LeBron James right now said, I can't believe they compared Paul George to me. What? What do you mean you can't believe it? No. What is up with like them putting all these like Paul George dunks on LeBron or, or whatever? It's like, what are people trying to say? Like, th- it doesn't make sense right now. That's, that's the Portland thing. It wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't fit the narrative. I, I just I just I just would have liked for that to be better represented. That's all, because and that's the kind of thing let, that Ken Burns was talking about, about it, right? A little trash so they are not going into a whole lot of the Jordan failures. They yada yada a bunch of the Jordan failures, and then they go about the iconic stuff. For instance, right, um, Jordan being cut from his high school team. You know that high school coach dealt with depression and had a lot of a lot of his life ruined because. That narrative yeah. was put out there when that was not what happened. Jordan was not cut from the team. No, no. Not only that, it was he had to choose between him and a kid that was six eight, six nine. What would any one of us have high school ball? I understand. Like, think about it. Dwayne Wade was picked fifth in the draft, very high. But you know who went ahead of Dwayne Wade? Darko. Darko. Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> And this, Bosch, is a, this is also the point where Jordan happened. was like, what, 6'2"? Because this was before his growth spurt. So you had a choice between the 6'2 guy, who probably, okay, not remarkable yet, and somebody that's 6'8", 6'9". Anybody would have made no, the exact no, no, no. same now, choice. I don't think Jordan was 6'2 yet at the time. I, don't, he, I think he became, he, his growth spurt led him into being 6'2 or, or that height. But I don't think at the time that he was cut from the team. So that's the thing about myth building and hearing these stories and you know what a lot of my friends who own jordans and i'm not going to throw charo under the bus um a lot of my friends who own jordans who have this kind of mentality if they watch a babe ruth documentary and saw the difference (laughs) at every at every time and and saw the difference in how babe ruth the myth of babe ruth and the yankee legend begin to grow they would be like oh okay i don't believe that i see where this is like a, a cultivated image of someone and but they don't see that with Jordan and him 
his time, you know, before North Carolina and at North Carolina, I believe that that was genuine. That was a real thing. And when you hear stories like James Worthy saying, Jordan was better than me, that's what I want to hear from a documentary. That's, that's what I feel like Ken Burns would do. No, I mean, the, the whole North Carolina thing of, of him being cut, I, like, I do think that's blown out of proportion because, well, you're not always going to be the best, you know? And just because you got cut from something doesn't mean it was, it's a bad decision. Decisions are made. So I just, I, I hate the fact that everyone's like, oh, he was cut from his high school team. Who cares? What did they win in high school? What did you do in high school that was so, what did you do in high school right now that's so important in your life that you go back to it right now? Absolutely nothing. If you're living on high school glory days, then I don't know. You need a new life. I agree. It's all it's like Kari was saying, that's that's all a part of the myth building. So it's supposed to be this message and struggle and perseverance and it was it's supposed to tell you about his his character and why he's still so angry at everybody because he takes each one of these slights and it helps him to build upon the greatness. Like each slight is supposed to be an added layer of greatness. Okay, you're gonna cut me, I'm going to go to work and get better. Okay, uh, I'm not the best player on my college team. I'm going to outwork everybody. Okay, you drafted me third overall. I'm going to show you that I, I should have went number you, you one. You go to Jordan and say, Jordan's only going to score 45 this game. Oh, no, I hate you. I'm going to make sure I score 46 this to show you. That's Jordan. <laughs> that, that's the whole documentary. Like, no. Okay. I, I, I want us to get into a whole lot of the trash takes that have stemmed from the documentary. Like we mentioned earlier, it's been almost a generational divide. A lot of the trash takes out there. First of all, my God, I've never seen anybody celebrated so much for lifting weights. It's your job to be in shape. And it was also... It was also what nineteen ninety. Like, Jordan gained fifteen. Is nineteen ninety in his revolutionary that he's lifting weights? Muscle. Ooh, he's a professional. I don't understand athlete. that. Like everybody's just so. Oh my god! Look at this montage of him lifting weights. It's nineteen ninety, and he's a professional basketball player. This is my player. take from this one. Now he missed the gym so much that he was jealous to see nineteen ninety gym equipment. John, and he was John, just like, I agree. Boy, it was my initial thought. What I would, what I would do to lift that. <laughs> this is my initial thought, John. <laughs> that was my, my initial thought like now is just extra mad because Jordan's actually getting the opportunity to lift weights when we could lift weights you know shout out to Jimmy Mackey and Mac Pitt Jimmy's still working out inside um, Mac Pitt not knowing that all of the people who, who pay for Mac Pitt are destitute fucking lifting luggage and staircases I can talk about that I don't want to Lifting gallons of water. <laughs> so, but but it, the fact that, um, like, when you saw the Pistons and the Bad Boys. No, 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 no. No, 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 John. the difference between when Jordan scores 63. And, again, it's about the framing of the documentary. They framed that 63 points like it was some accomplishment, but then the Celtics sweep them. But then when you look at the Celtics, there's no muscle yes. mass on that team. As soon as they yada yada into the Pistons and you look at them, the Pistons look like athletes, including Bill Lambert. And then Jordan is like, I have to lose all this time. And then you know what? This summer, I'm going to start working out. 
<laughs> I was Imagine the greatest before that. working out. Because I know and now I'm gonna work we all out to know. Be the greatest. We all know the Giannis picture before, like Giannis starts working out, and then when Giannis starts lifting, and it's basically like a year or two years. Jordan was like, "Nah, bro, seven. Give me seven, eight years." But the thing is, after every game, Jordan's smoking a cigar. Other people were doing that. Other people had been doing that. That's not anything revolutionary. Kareem was working out with Bruce Lee in the 70s. Like, this is not strange that somebody put some extra work in to become better. As a matter of fact, he should have been doing that. And one of the, one of the biggest stories that they yada yada over is against against the Pistons. You had a moment, uh, I think it was in 89, where in Game 4, Jordan has an off-shooting night and Doug Collins mentions in the media that they got to get more players involved. Well, in Game 5, Jordan comes out and takes eight shots. Imagine that. Kobe did that. That's one of the blemishes on Kobe's legacy is the Suns reaction. Imagine that happening today. Imagine if LeBron just went into a game and took eight shots, how much heat he would get. Yeah, Kobe Bryant did this in the playoffs and he got heat for it. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's like, yo, Jordan shot um, 23% from the three-point line. Like... Twenty-three percent. Wait, not a great wait, wait, shooter. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. Wait, wait. What did you What did you just say, John? In what ninety percentage? in ninety eight, he shot twenty-three percent from the three-point line. Oh, oh, three-point line. Okay, yeah. I thought you said free throw. I was just gonna be like, no, that didn't happen. No, no. So he no. shot he shot three pointers like Wade. That's why those six three pointers was a big deal at that time. Yeah. That <sighs> it had to make the documentary. It had to. Fucking Jordan. And you know what's going to happen? Like, the next two episodes, I think, are going to be baseball-centric and Space Jam-centric. And, I'm like I said, I'm going to save my takes on Space Jam until next week. But I think part of what um, this documentary also did is you had a lot of, and I'll mention this, basketball people having takes. And the immediate reaction were takes for LeBron James. And it's no coincidence that this week... LeBron James debuted the Space Jam logo um, with the phrase New Legacy on it because, listen, man, how long y'all go wear Jordans? I guess as long as y'all is wear anything from, like, big fashion houses. So people go wear Jordans forever. But you have to at least at some point acknowledge, like, is the demarcation someone has to win equal to six rings or equal to seven rings to be considered better than Jordan? Because if you, at one hand, say... It's team basketball, and your teammates are accountable for it. This is not an individual sport. And at the same time, um, say that the individual is largely responsible, then then where is it? Where is the line? Because you see the Skip Bayless takes just going at LeBron for basically um, Nothing. three weeks now. You see Stephen A. Smith saying, and I even Bill Simmons, like people would just say that Jordan's the best and then not have additional arguments for it other than these championships. Because this documentary, I've said, like, Jordan's really great. He's a excellent player. But it, to me, if you replace all of those Bulls teams and put LeBron James on those teams, those teams win, and LeBron doesn't retire, and they win eight rings. Yeah, they win. They win all that. But my favorite take of yeah. the whole thing, my sister calls me about this. First of all, she hates Jerry Krause, right? Like, my sister wouldn't talk to sports. She's like, I'm watching the Jordan documentary. Why they rip Pippen off? Why he didn't get paid more? Why didn't they renegotiate the contract? And I was like, 
do they renegotiate your contract when you sign it? Like, what do you want them to do? But she hates Jerry Krause. <laughs> then I told her he's dead. <laughs> and she had a whole different mindset. Like, oh, I still hate him, but. That's, that's what it's going to do. But, um, yeah, you're right. The, the, the try, trying to compare players across generations, that's something that people are going to, to argue about endlessly. I, I've said the same thing that, that Kari said many times. If you put LeBron in that same situation, you know, that, but that's, I guess, the, the great sport, arg- the great sports argument, the never ending sports argument is what people want. I just hate when the, uh, the older sports writers that were around during that time that have this excessive love for Michael Jordan are completely closed off to anybody being in the conversation now or anybody possibly entering the conversation later. I think that's the most ignorant take you could actually have because that means you don't want the game to evolve. You don't want the game to get better. It's almost as if you don't remember that there was a point before Michael Jordan came along where... No, the NBA was created in the in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> now I got some third world internet. <laughs> Nah, I was just nailing. It's a good thing the audio is being recorded separately. <laughs> oh, you can continue. Go ahead, Nal. I'm pretty sure you made an excellent point that we didn't get to cover. Oh, am I still on? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on, on now. You're, you're on now. Yeah. Did it stop? Because no, it was saying poor connection and connection loss on this side. You want you you don't have a router, somebody, do you? Somebody else pick it up. Somebody else pick it up because I lost my train of thought. <laughs> we all lost our train of thought with the slow mo, hey, and that's we the just difficulty. Make, honestly, of, let's keep let's keep this all in. We were just yeah. making fun of your internet being dropped. <laughs> of of quarantine action, like you don't know what's gonna happen. Like this is the most fun I've had in the whole lockdown, just watching the slow motion now on a video trying to have a hot take which we're never gonna know and now i have to listen to this podcast <laughs> yeah the best part is that john has to edit this so john has to listen to all of the podcasts <laughs> entirely over and has to i think john should take a day do this on sunday <laughs> oh that but you know okay so another i think um part about the jordan legacy because we talked about the framing of this documentary um how it treats pippin I want to get into the Rodman stuff, right? Because Rodman had his own... Rodman had a TV movie, a documentary... A Carmen Electra, Madonna, I mean... documentary. Um, and Bill Simmons and Ryan Riesolo had the nerve to say that Rodman was not interesting. Which I think is one of the worst takes ever. Considering Bro. that Rodman's roster during the 90s accounted for, as John said, Carmen Electra, Madonna, Vivica Fox... And um, Tony Braxton. Oh, and gee, that's a good. It, it one. was great. That's a good hit. Yeah, jeez. No, no, it was great for for um, Tony Braxton come out to say that I never dated Rodman. Is was her defense of the picture of her and Rodman at a music award snatched up together? Classic Bahamian day snatched up. <laughs> My favorite um, thing of that but is it was like we didn't date it. It's like oh okay, so y'all like fuck for a month and then never talked again. Cool, 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 cool. Tony Braxton. Nobody. It's the nineties. No one cares. But no the best cared. part, the best part was when Car- it's like Jordan goes into the, knocks on Rodman's door, and Carmen Electra's in there, like, "Oh my God, it's Michael Jordan!" And all Jordan does is, I guess that's because he's used to seeing cocaine and strippers and stuff, saying, "Hey, 
He got to bring your ass to practice. Again, (laughs) that's when we talk about the framing of the documentary. There's no way Jordan goes into that room with Carmen Electra and friends. (laughs) Jordan, hold on, let's go back. Jordan volunteers, the most famous person in the world. I'm going to go pick up Dennis Rodman. Think about that. Think about that. He went during Atlantic City and it caused the 93 controversy to be exasperated, which blah, 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 yada, 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 to the Jordan story leads to his retirement. But Jordan then decides, okay, I'm going to go pick up Rodman from fucking Las Vegas. You don't go to Because I've gone through so much problems with this entire gambling thing. And the fact that it's made me hate and resent the media so much that I stepped away from the game. What I'm going to do is put myself back into that situation as the team is struggling. I am going to go to the international home of gambling. uh, I think we can report live on this podcast that Jordan... Jordan definitely Pornhub XN XX Carmen Electra, right? Yeah. Like he no, fuck Carmen that, Electra. That was a bonding session. That's all that was. That was something where a, he, yeah, said, then, he said, then, Hey Rodman, I got your back. Phil let's Jackson. do this let's do this crazy shit. And then that's the only reason why he came back to whatever city they went to because Jordan wild out with him and he was just like, Bro, you're oh, my boy, that's the brethren. He's ride or die. Okay, let me go play some ball. John, That's it? and then it cut. It cuts to them running in practice, and then Phil Jackson doing yoga with everyone. I'm like, get the fuck out of here! <laughs> Everything I know about dudes, and dudes, no, 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 no. That did not happen. That does not have the down. Sorry, but y'all, y'all do realize that that room had to have some top tier, next level shit going on because Jordan had no problem talking about Jordan had no problem talking about the cocaine and everything else that the '84 Bulls were doing. But when it came to this, he just was like, I'm not mentioning anything that was on oh, that bed no. or what was going on. No, so we there knew. Was, there was Walter White meth inside that situation. <laughs> there was definitely meth and other drugs. But, and pre, That was you, pre-Molly era. That was peak ecstasy. Come on, dog. But I you mean, see Rodman drinking his Miller Lite and jumps on his motorcycle right after. It's just like he's literally drinking a beer. And he's like, let me go jump on this motorcycle. Like... Uh, oh, I remember now. Back oh, to geez. the horrible hot takes. Oh, God. <laughs> what did... Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, fa- back to horrible hot takes for a second. Uh, what's been shared a lot is Will Bourne and Jalen Rose's hot take that Jordan would be... Av- I think they said he would be averaging 40. One of them maybe said 50. Yeah, he'll drop like 40 in today's <laughs> game. Not with a mid-range jumper only. No. Yeah, so that that's their thing that he would be doing that, and their rationalization is okay. Well, if if Harden gets thirty seven, then then Jordan could certainly average forty. I think Wilbon took it a step further than Jalen. Jalen was saying okay, forty, but if he's doing that, do they still have that same level of success? Keep in mind when Jordan was averaging thirty seven. They weren't winning the championships. They started winning the championships when he took that score, when the scoring load came off of him and they became more team-oriented. So if he's just out there number-chasing, does he win in this era? Because the number-chasers aren't winning. No, because Jordan be could have scored a million on the fucking dream team. Take. Think about it. If Jordan was in this era, say put Jordan on the Chicago Bulls with Zach Levine. Okay? <laughs> Jordan would be... Jordan would be the third, fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. He would be averaging more than James Harden. Give him 38 points. Give him that. But he would not be the number one seed. And he would have to be markedly better at three-point shooting. It's 
very ridiculous to say he would be averaging 40 points and be the number one seed. Like, that's not going to happen. But they're saying, even if the game is they're saying stuff like he, like LeBron is more athletic, stronger, bigger, and a better shooter than Michael Jordan, just offensively. Or just talking about offense, like defensively, Jordan held up defensively better than LeBron James has in the later years. I will freely admit that. But offensively, to say that he's better, I don't look at the shooting percentages during those times. I was a Bull fan during those Utah championship, Sonic championship years. I remember those playoff games. Like, no, he's not going to average 40 points shooting like this. I don't even know. I mean, has he really held up defensively better than LeBron has? Because I think what LeBron is doing is playing more of the long game. I didn't want to turn it into Jordan and LeBron already. I really didn't want now, to. Now, that's there. what all we it's, care it's, about. It's, it's I, you always know what? been I'm Jordan and LeBron. I'm tired of I was, At some point, I you know what? At the end of this, take... I just want Jordan versus LeBron podcast, the whole podcast. That's all I want. Stop beating around the bush. That's what the podcast is about. That's what this documentary is about. I am about. just waiting for the. I'm waiting Jordan for them thought to bring LeBron him was going because... to win and said, let's release this in 2020. Jordan agreed to this documentary being done right after LeBron beat the Warriors and came back three games to one. That's when Jordan gave right the okay. The right after that. That's when Jordan gave A the okay defensive for this play? Oh, my God. LeBron could play defense? So it, ima- imagine that block happening and Jordan picking up his phone right away. Shit. <laughs> Got me fucked Yo, up. Jordan does a... A, a spectacular layup where he could have dunked and everyone blows that out of proportion. LeBron's block is more impressive. Hold on. You realize that part well, of the John, reason that LeBron is using he, all of his wealth to maintain his hairline is because he doesn't want to go bald to be compared to Michael Jordan. He was like, <laughs> I would rather Although, spend $10 million on this hairline than have you all compare my hair to Michael Jordan. Fuck that. I mean, it does no, look like giving anymore. giving it. Oh, up. we yeah, lost. I think we lost Nalika. Okay, there we go. He's back. Nal's back in the '90s with this Wi-Fi. Like Nala's that, '90s Wi-Fi. Like that. That's, Clyde Drexler. Yeah, Clyde Drexler. You're back in your '90s days <laughs> when you had dial-up internet, bro. It's like not even dial-up. Shoot, you had no internet. You had to have that big satellite G5 T1. <laughs> Whatever that is, you know, we were supposed to it's talk about. It's what introduced me to the game. It's, it's where my heart is. We were supposed to talk about other sports during this, but we're at the one-hour mark, and I think that we've just talked to Jordan documentary the whole time. I think that's just it. <laughs> so the NFL draft will wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we got to do. I don't. It I don't think. I don't think we're gonna get. I think we just release this right now as the full uh, last dance uh, podcast from Ten Ys, and then we come back after episode eight. And then after episode 10, I think that's it. After yeah. episode 10, we're just we going straight LeBron versus, um, LeBron versus Jordan. That's the name of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I, I'm, I'm tired beating around the bush. That's what this is about. I, I, feel, I feel like this is... this is t- Okay, I'm not going to get deep into the LeBron versus Jordan thing. It's too late. We've already All hit I'm it. going to... All, no, all I'm, all I'm going to say is longevity and consistency matters. Yeah. Load management isn't taking an entire year and a half off and then coming back to the game when your team's in the playoffs. But that is load management. My bad. All I will 
um, my many points on this is that I will bring up JJ Barrera during <laughs> the LeBron part of it. I just can't. I can't Yo, do it. And JJ is gonna have a whole episode about him in that documentary. As um, it should be, John, in a real documentary, that's what it, it should be. That this yeah, is no, I I agree, but I'm just overcome. saying, like, of all people, it's gonna be like, you know what, Dirk Nowitzki is gonna be the Portland Trailblazers of this documentary, and he won MVP. Yeah. But JJ Barrera, that was the J. one. JJ Barrera. You mean Killed to tell LeBron. me they put Sidney Moncrief in his documentary for two seconds, and Sidney Moncrief probably had to take off his whole day to do this. They probably interviewed him. They probably interviewed him for four hours, Kevin. and he gets a sentence in there. And then that's it's, it. It's like when they interviewed Stu Gutz for Mike and Mad Dog, and Stu Gutz got one line. These people probably got interviewed so long, oh. and they couldn't wait to see the impact that they. Imagine they said there was Obama hundreds of hours Clinton. of, of interviews. And they got a line. So, it's only 10 episodes. They get Obama and Clinton for this documentary, and Obama and Clinton get... Obama in the first episode gets Chicago residents, and President Clinton gets governor of Arkansas, and then that's it. And then you show up sporadically through the rest of the documentary. Fucking Jordan. 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 Anyway, He's good, though. I mean, he is fucking good. He's yeah. the top two player of all time. No, no, dis- no dispute. And it, it, sometimes it, it feels ridiculous to do the him and LeBron stuff because you're really arguing, okay, are you the greatest ever or are you slightly less great than that person? So are you 1A or 1B? That's really what the argument is. So all of this is just that right there. It's, to me, well, it's not even substantial. LeBron dead is the 10th best player of all time. So we're going to get into that. LeBron's the best. That's my take. and I'm sticking with it. We are tenth year seniors. We have one. We are. We re- agree completely on very few things. One of the things we agree on completely is LeBron's best. It's one of the one thing we completely I mean, agree on as a group. I honestly believe that that's it. I don't think there's another thing other than LeBron's yeah, the, the best basketball player. It's literally the only thing we all agree on. Here's a plot twist: Would Jerry Krause have traded Jordan for LeBron back in the day if he could have? Ooh. Yes. He is black. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. but he's... No, he, w- he would have traded... Uh, I think he would have... Probably because he... Probably uh, because he, he thinks LeBron wouldn't have made as much Kobe fun of him. Because Kobe, even at the All-Star, but from... After LeBron's first year, I think Jerry Krause trades Jordan. And you know what's crazy? That he wanted to break up the team, but That's never explored that. that. Never explored what he could get for Jordan. That he was like willing to trade Pippen I mean, and go it's on. It's not much you could get when you're paying $33 million in the 90s, which is the equivalent of what, like $60 million? I mean, not yeah. that much, but, you know, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Another, another thing that we, where we didn't really discuss from one of the early episodes is you're all about this team loyalty and everybody's staying together, and you're upset Jerry Krause is breaking this up. You ain't had one conversation with your boy about the kind of contract Ooh. he signed. Like you over there getting thirty million, and you ain't gonna. No man, Pippin's like, selfish. You don't want to see him eat like how you eating. First of all, let's let's talk about it. And okay, then we, you we, turn we, around and nah, call him selfish. This. Let's talk about this. Dirk um, Dirk Nowitzki was getting paid under the table from Mark Cuban and probably got promises from Mark Cuban, right? You mean at no point, at no point did Michael Jordan getting thirty three million say. 
Pip, hold this. Hold it, hold this, and then just complete. You're telling me at no point he ain't like go to, to the Jordan brand and say, hey, give him $10 million a year to be a Jordan player. Thanks. John, this is pre-9-11. So this is pre when money laundering becomes the biggest thing in the fi- financial markets where the NBA is looking into this thing. Jordan, J- Jerry Ryan's off. Anyone could have given Pippen more money freely, and it didn't happen. And it, the reason it didn't happen is because they didn't want to do it. They're like, we can keep getting away with this. So when I hear Pippen cursing out Jerry Krause on the bus was, and demanding a trade, I was like, yeah, you should have done more than that. Like, yeah. shit. Kawhi faked an entire injury to get out of San Antonio. Like, these modern players watching that and was like, you a bitch for that. Hey, uh, Pippen was ahead of his time. Let's just put it that way. Watching yeah. this, Pippen was just ahead of his time. Pippen would have been such a great um, – player off the court type thing in this era like people yep. probably are watching this and saying well i want to be more like scotty because of how he's dealing with his his stuff jordan was already straight but scotty the struggling basketball player is going to be like i'm gonna pull the scotty now i'm just saying ask tristan thompson ask jr smith lebron get everyone paid uh, who got them paid and who they would have rather go to war with i'd rather go to war with lebron because he could get me paid you could talk about winning all these championships and six for six all you want, but the people around him are eating, and they eating good. Boy. I don't see any of these. I don't see the negative reports about being a bad teammate. LeBron's already played for three different organizations now, and you don't see people coming out of the woodwork talking about him being a negative teammate. You don't see any of the stuff written, because nothing could be kept secret nowadays. You don't have any of that stuff out there, and some of that may be a byproduct of him learning from what came before, because he seemed abnormally prepared for this life at 18 years old, but to go from 18 to the point where he is now at 35 without having any of these things that follow Jordan around. That's incredible. LeBron's the goat on and off the court. That's that's what we just got out of this. Yep, that's it. Now I'll take and, it out. Okay, and and the last right, and so, the last dance documentary now we don't need to see anymore. Yeah. It should, the last dance documentary, the last episode should be about LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want. <laughs> I can't wait for them to interview him. So are we are we picking this back up after the next two episodes, uh, or we're waiting until it's definitely? Done? Yeah, we are. And, and there's your answer. Okay, so so thanks, Jordan. So we'll pick this back. We'll pick up the continuous coverage of the Last Dance next week, and eventually, I promise we are going to get to tour because that was also a big deal for us. Yeah, I mean, I have my I have my own personal tour doctor, so. Tour yeah, y'all y'all keep that documentary just to yourselves. You know what? Ooh. You know what's going to be great now? We're gonna I'm get sorry, the- but like when we win the Super Bowl with Tua and then John just has to be like, I guess he's okay. Yeah. Like, Trent, oh, listen. It was really on. the defense that did it. <laughs> Talk about things we disagree on. And you know how John goes with these ridiculous takes, and I love the fact that they actually do it because the first thing I thought was, yes, we get to – argue over this for like the next decade now nah, i wanted to I block it. john when john pushed trash cans on my <laughs> picture tour i wanted to block john and be like get the fuck out of here <laughs> i think i could talk to you, you on multiple media of- outlets i don't need you to be talking about tour how dare you 
Louise Dorset better not talk about Tua. The best so, like, part no. about that was none, none of us, none of us was answering. Like John was talking all that shit about Tua, and we just wouldn't answer because we didn't need that negative. I didn't, I didn't need that. Like, I wanted to go to a safe to space to celebrate Tua. To I love we don't him. Need but before we end it. this, um, the last Tua, jersey Tua I bought is the third was best Barry Sanders and Jerry Rice. I'm buying Tua. Davian Gabriel and Mackenzie Milton. Fuck John. <laughs> now I'll end the podcast. Alright. Alright. We'll see y'all after episodes 8 and 10 where we continue our LeBron coverage, which is slightly tied into the last dance. <laughs> yeah. But it's really LeBron coverage. <laughs> Space Jam 2 is the best. <laughs>